podcast with James and Jane. Hi, this is James. Just before we start, I wanted to remind you that you can read our articles, explore more podcasts, and learn about our online personal and management development programs and workshops by visiting our website, www.worldofwork.io. All right, on to the podcast. Hello, this is James. And this is Jane. And here we are again with another episode of the World of Work podcast. What are we speaking about today, Jane? He's so excited. <laughs> I'm just curious. I wish you could see his face. Uh, so today's uh, conversation is all about the gig economy. Oh, okay. That's so exciting. So we're going to be talking about what it is, why is it called the gig economy, uh, why is it contentious and potential source of concern, um, and, you know, just what it is and how big it is at the moment. Cool. Well, that sounds interesting. Um, before we get into that, though, uh, why don't we just check out there that people can get in touch with us. Um, we've got our website. Uh, worldofwork.io you can learn more about what we do there um, you can get us on Twitter at the Wow Podcast yeah there's a contact form on the website um, and if you're listening on Apple or anything like that you can leave us a review as well that's always helpful yeah uh, we love hearing reviews it's from nice people. isn't it it is I know we always say this do you know what I uh, I got a text the other day and I was like I've left you a review oh that's um, nice and it was because someone had been listening to our personal effective episode oh, good. and uh, which we recorded a long time ago that was ago. a long time ago now, yeah. and in passing I said oh if you're having problems with that, and they were talking about productivity, yeah. I was like, oh, you should you should listen to that episode. I got a text like at 11 o'clock, like, oh my God, I've just listened to it. It's totally brilliant. No, that's great. It's lovely. Oh, that's good. Um, all right, so we're going to be using our usual structure when it's just the two of us. We'll be doing some definitions, uh, some research roundup, a list of the week, some stories from the keyboard, and a couple of final thoughts. Um, we're aiming to do about 30, uh, 37 minutes, but that might be a premonition. I was trying to say we're aiming to do 30 minutes. I think we're aiming for 30 minutes today. Somewhere between 30 and 37. Um, so that's it. Uh, so, yeah. So it's probably appropriate to kick off this episode with some definition discussion, James. Ooh, James, there's a hint. Um, so definitions in this space are a little bit more complicated than in some of the other areas. So what we're really going to do is just share one definition and then reflect on it a little bit more broadly and, and uh, reflect on some other uh, interpretations of what um, the gig economy is as well. Um, so we're going to start out, we're actually going to use uh, a definition from the Taylor Report, which was produced by the RSA here in the UK. And it says uh, for a gig economy, um, it says that the gig economy is the trend of using online platforms to find small jobs, sometimes completed immediately after request, essentially on demand. Right, so there's some really key bits in there about the need for technology to be there as a sort of intermediary way to help people find jobs, the fact that jobs are fairly small, the fact that jobs are completed quickly uh, on request. Um, so that's the definition that they use. Now, the thing is that, that a gig economy, as we use it maybe in, in more wider conversations and in the media, sometimes brings in more than that. But we've chosen this definition because we think it's actually the best one. It's quite precise, and it really speaks to what we're focusing on in this, this conversation itself. Uh, however, if you hear it in the media or in general conversations about loose things like the future of work, you might find that it's a bit of a sweep all that brings in any type of atypical work, right? Um, and that could be things like uh, self-employed work, freelance work, people in zero-hours contracts, all that kind of stuff. Um, and while there are interesting conversations to be had across that spectrum of uh, ways to employ and uh, types of tasks completed and, and uh, legal arrangements and so on, we're really focusing on the RSA definition. Um, just in terms of ways to think about some of those other uh, interpretations of, of gig work, um, we've, in what we've seen, uh, come up with a view that other interpretations can be based on things like working arrangements. 
serve a contractor relationship between workers and individuals uh, and the company that they're working for. So changes in that, such as zero hours contracts or temp agency workers can be one way that um, uh, that gig economy work is, is uh, interpreted. Another is to do with tax or legal classification. Um, and another is to do with the nature of work. So, you know, flexibility or lack of direct oversight can fall into this. But again, just to, just to refine, uh, sorry, redefine, today we're really speaking about the gig economy as the trend of using online platforms to find small jobs, sometimes completed immediately after request. And again, that's from the, the Taylor report by the RSA. So hopefully that sets the scene for what we're speaking about today. So Jane, do you want to go from there into some research? Sure. So um, I really love this topic. Good. It's interesting. I mean, I don't it? love this topic because I feel really conflicted about it. Yeah. Um, but I really think it's an interesting, it's interesting. topic. There's so and much I think to it. I have so much to it. And I think the first thing to do is frame my perceptions of why this matters and why we're talking about it. And why do we think this is a, a world of work project subject? Yeah. Right. Great question. Um, and for me, there's, there's really three things. Um, one is that the role of tech in all of this technology and all of this is quite un uh, unique and yet also feels like we hear about it all over the place from lots of different sectors yeah, and yeah, different yeah. issues. And the argument that's often propelled is that tech is ahead, mm -hmm. right? Even I, I've written in my notes, why is it better? Because tech is ahead of legislation, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And that society hasn't caught up yeah. with legislating. And actually, I don't think it's that. Um, I think it's about tech recognizing that they have an opportunity to strip out some of the uh, costs between exchange of labor and production, yeah. right? It's disintermediation, effect. Yeah, and I think I think that is a concern. And why is it interesting? Because if that is their intent, we have to find a way to build our society such that we still make sure that workers' rights are protected yeah. and that society isn't picking up the cost. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Yep. Because everything in the current definitions of what we have, whatever country in the West we're in, and it is different, and, and it's important to understand that, yeah. is that there is a clear role and responsibility for the organisation and the individual. Yeah. Whose responsibility is it to pay for tax, to yeah, pay for yeah, yeah. We're pension? Structured around you know, those we're structured around those yeah, two yeah, yeah. ways of working. Um, so I think it's really important that we have that conversation and also recognise that um, the role of tech, it's a great way that we need to think about how tech will continue to move yeah. forward in different ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And try and almost game the situation and figure out how we well, can. Well, we're get always it. fighting the last battle, aren't we? Right. So yeah. Uh, meanwhile, they're up. paying a load of people to think, how can we get? Yeah. Where's how the next can we, battle? Where's the next hole? Yeah. Where's yeah, the yeah. next hole we can fill? Mm -hmm. um, I think also it's really important because there's potential exploitations of laws through relabeling of employees. Yeah. So um, by arguing, for example, that uh, someone is a you know, part of the gig economy and its autonomy and choice, yeah. there are some organ traditional organizations who may try and exploit that to avoid their own responsibilities. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Which I feel have feelings about. Yeah. And then I also think there's an international element to all of this um, that's really important. Uh, and for me, that's about when you put a task on Amazon Turk, Amazon mm -hmm. Turk, which is one of the common yeah, platforms, or TaskRabbit, yeah, yeah. Mechanical Turk, thank yeah. you. And um, TaskRabbit is another one. There's lots of them. Yeah, Fiverr and some Fiverr other, yeah. and Uber, yeah, you know, yeah. all of these things, right? But when the task goes out, well, not Uber, but when the task goes out there, it can be picked up across the world. Yeah. And it is an absolutely perfect example of a ex ex externality of our, us becoming more global mm -hmm. in our approaches. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, we have lots of international organizations and that's great. Yeah. 
but we've had to work through whose responsibility is what and where can tax pay and all of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've also had to decide which laws they sit under. Yeah. And I know I keep coming back to law and it sounds a bit dull, but you know, the reality is we think about our labor market in this country as the people who are here. Yeah. And the people who are here being the competition. Yes. Right. And I think that's very topical in the UK at the moment because we're just about to introduce a new immigration policy. Yeah. The reality is the competition also exists from people who are not in this country yeah. who are on a computer in Cambodia or a Thai beach or yeah. Russia or yeah. lots of places. Or anywhere. Anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think we haven't yet got to grips with what that might mean for some of our industries where work can be packaged yeah and i think of it as work that can be packaged in terms of work packets yeah so that idea that you can break a task down to the point where it can be outsourced through through a computer and someone can electronically dispatch it to you yep and and fundamentally what those platforms do is they create entirely frictionless labor transactions for packets of work right tickets that kind of thing which means we have to rethink things like export and import charges we have to rethink everything about how we both um construct our understanding of who works in our economy and produces our goods and also what our responsibilities are so for example if i buy something from a firm that outsources tasks they may argue that they only employ 20 people in the uk and they all have really great standards of living and living wages but if they are outsourcing tasks that would not that would be considered potentially to be supply of product. Yeah. Right? Where's where's my understanding of what that supply yeah, chain is as yeah. customer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's I think there's lots of reasons it matters. Yeah. As a customer, as a, a British or, or US employee or whoever you mm-hmm. are, and you may be in competition with people you don't know, depending on your mm-hmm. type of work. I think it matters because uh, you have you might want to participate in the gig economy mm-hmm. and it may be an opportunity for you, but also I think it's important to call out the, the high level of flexibility that it brings some people. Yeah. You know, without doubt, if you are raising a small family on your own, being able to structure your work in your house yeah. at yeah, times yeah. that completely suit you and choose, you know, if the kids have been sick, choosing not to work that yeah. day and pick up tasks as you choose, you know, that is the ultimate, the ultimate control of your own labor. Yeah. So I've got a question for you. So, I mean, we've talked about it and we've talked about it as, um, as all those things we've explained, I guess, you know, when we think about, uh, you know, international harmonization of policy or law and all that kind of stuff, that's the kind of stuff that happens for, for big things, right? So how big of an issue is this or, or how much gig economy work is taking place and what's the trend on it? Okay, so I'm going to talk to you about some stats from the UK, Okay, um, but they are generally reflective of the West. Uh-huh. Um, I would say they are far bigger in countries that have access to high quality internet but maybe lower wages okay. because it allows countries skilled labour in other countries not to have to, Im- to, to immigrate yeah, but still yeah, be able yeah. to access the, the, the market mm-hmm. so um, the between ni- 2016 and 2019 the number of working age adults who had worked for an online platform at least once a week had doubled from 4.7%, which is around 2, 2.3 million workers, to 9.6%, that's 4.7 million workers. That's one in 10 almost. That's a huge jump. I had no idea. I didn't realise it was that big. Particularly not in the UK. I thought and we were doubling is big as well, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, <laughs> interesting. Um, and absolutely, the number that have done that across their lives at some point 
is is bigger. So yeah. it's significantly bigger. But I think um, they reckon. So they reckon about one in seven, maybe seven and a half million people have worked via a gig economy platform at some point. I I don't know if that is more telling, but certainly that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people, right? I mean, that's fifteen. 15% of the population mm. of the working age population. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So it's yeah, it's bigger than that as a percentage of the population. And and you can see why it, it's a topical issue when people speak about the future of work, they talk about the increase of the gig economy and things like that. And when you hear those numbers, you can see that actually this does feel like a directional trend. Yeah, and what I don't know and I think it's worth just I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Because the, the I got those stats from something called a snapshot. A snapshot. And one of the problems with snapshots is they don't bear in mind the history. Yeah. What is it replacing? Yeah. Now, I, I, I will tell you, James, that I remember because I'm old, that in newspapers, okay. when before they were on the internet, when they actually existed as hard copies, um, people used to take out ads in the, uh-huh. in the little, little mini ads, small ad section. Classifieds. The, the classifieds. And they would say things like, work from home. Be in control of your own income. Yeah. Stuff envelopes for, you know, if you can find the efficient way of doing it. And there, it, you, there would be people all over the country. And this is true. Yeah. There are people all over the country that absolutely had like thousands of envelopes. Yeah. Um, and, and sort of promotional material in their front rooms as they were trying to make a bit of extra cash. Yeah. And they were stuffing the envelopes. And I think, I think it's important to understand... The online platform does give us a great definition, but also it is replacing something that may well have existed or maybe although albeit not to the same scale. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when that number doubles, almost as a percentage for the UK workers, how many of them is it because they were already doing gig work? Yeah. But they have moved across to a technical platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just wanted to call that out because yeah, yeah, it yeah, is it is important. Yeah. You know, we love we love new and shiny and we mm-hmm. love blaming tech on everything, mm-hmm. don't we? Just, just really quickly before we go on, I was reading something the other day, and it was talking about the rise of off-balance sheet labour. Just so you know, so that is. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not. La- I'm not laughing. <laughs> yeah, just, you are laughing. <laughs> I, I, in the world of Google, yeah, and search engines, where you need a unique phrase for people to be able to easily find you, everyone's desperate to coin their own term. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I guess that's kind of a large employer view of this: is if you can have the benefits of labour without having that balance sheet commitment to. Ongoing cost absorption, I guess. Anyway. No, um, I think that's great. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, so are there issues to do with this? Well, there's, there's, uh, there's very specifically, there's issues about how we try and manage it and cope with it. Yeah. And there's been lots of discussion around it um, here in the UK, in the US, all over the shop, right? And I know the list of the week might might give a little picture of what that is. Um, but I, I just want to call out um, the three issues that really stopped this work from being able to be, uh, you know, addressed and just, pick, you know, why can't we just pick up gig workers and say, right, you're this classification in this lens. Yeah. And one is there's still confusion about who counts as a gig worker. Mm-hmm. So um, my favorite is when you read articles about all these people working in coffee shops, yeah. their laptops, yeah. and they're effectively freelancers. <laughs> they're, you know, they're skilled, they're taking on contracts or longer pieces of work. Yeah. Right. And uh, I, it, the British media in particular is great at just being very generalist. Mm-hmm. But I have noticed, actually, interestingly, since the government backed the Taylor report, mm-hmm. um, they are starting to get better, which is great. Okay. But so until we really get this definition agreed, yep. it's hard for us to start analysing what the tax implications are and stuff like that. Um, there is a massive issue around um, gig workers' rights, things like statutory sick pay yeah, okay. and stuff like that. 
um, because at the moment, because there is no legal status, they effectively get treated as self-employed. Yeah. Now, the problem with that is it would be great to offset the social costs of that by raising uh, taxes yeah. on self-employed people. But that doesn't work because self-employed people have already had the system slightly changed to make sure that they are uh, not paying any more tax than someone under workers. Yeah, and yeah. they have to cover lots of other things because they have different uh, national yeah, insurance contributions. And, yeah, and that's yeah, a similar yeah. issue in the US, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, the other thing that's really interesting is that those other non, non-tax issues, like sickness cover schemes but also holiday um all the stuff that we have clawed our way through yeah uh in in countries across the globe to protect our rights as workers from Mm. the exploitation of of larger organizations they're not defined right so what happens is things like i mean there's a great example uber have have a sickness scheme and Mm -hmm. a holiday scheme right which makes them sound really nice because they're doing it beyond the legislation yeah, but it's not. It's not that it's. We're saying it's a generosity. We're just saying there is an absence of a definition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think those are those are three massive issues at the moment. We need to work our way through them, and the, the problem is that they're global. Yes. So how do you get consistency across yeah, a any number type of places? Of right, because you just change, hard. and then yeah. you go and work on a platform somewhere else. Yeah. So I think that's really important. And then the last thing I just want to talk you through very briefly is um, McKinsey did four classifications of workers, and it's really a market segmentation of them. And I just want to talk you through the four of them. Mm-hmm. First is, and in each of them, there is two factors that are considered. Okay. What about it's you? whether the work is your primary or supplemental income. Okay. And whether you are doing it as your preferred choice of working way mm-hmm. or out of a required necessity. So, for and example, self-defined. I could, out of necessity, need to be a gig worker and it's my primary source of income. Correct. So, the four definitions... So imagine yourself a table of two columns and two oh, rows. We like those, a little matrix, a two we by two. We love a matrix. I do, I like it. Excel king. <laughs> um, so the first is free agents, right? And they are they define a free agent as those with primary income being from gig work. Yeah. And it's their preferred way of doing it. So okay. they've totally chosen to, thus yeah. they are free in their agency. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the second are reluctance, okay. where it's their primary income and they can't find another way. So it's out of necessity. Fine. And that might be that the work isn't available in the format they choose as an employed member yeah. of staff. Okay. Or it might be they have other life choices. Yeah. Right? Okay. So they're forced to work in that way. Um, the third are casual earners. So Sounds it's nice. their <laughs> supplemental income. Right? And yeah. it's their preferred choice. And I would say most of these fall into the side hustle Yes, everyone trends that everyone hustle. everyone's talking about side hustle. Side These hustle. people are hobby. Hobby, yes. right? Now yeah, you have to yeah, monetize yeah, yeah. your hobby. Side hustle. Anyway, so that's your supplemental income. It's not your primary uh, source of income, and also you prefer to do it that way. Yeah, which makes total sense, right? Yeah, Spend so a little bit of your time when you want to to make a bit yeah, of cash. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the last group are financially strapped, and that is their supplemental income. I they are having to, in their view, supplement their primary income with this work. Right. And they are having to do it in this way out of necessity because either the work doesn't fit around their existing yeah, or commitments. Or they can't get a part-time or job. Or they can't get a part-time job or yeah. whatever it is. Okay. Okay. And uh, what's really, really interesting is they, they give the stats of US and European respondents and they argue that 40% of the working age population um, are casual earners. Wow. Yeah. So it's their preferred choice and their supplemental income. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that's that. The order is the casual owners of the uh, the biggest group, 
free agents, the next biggest group. And actually those doing it out of necessity, they argue, are the smaller proportions. Sure. Well, that's a good thing. I, I mean, I was really surprised. Yeah, I was as well. I don't know what I think about that. No, I don't know what I think and I've, about I've, it. And I've, I've, I've seen that stat now for two, three days. I've sat with it and I still don't know what I think yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I might have to dig into what it's done. Yeah. Anyway, so that's our research roundup. Just to give you a flavour of the size of the issue, um, the kind of kind of issues that, the, that it might create for society, and uh, also just introduce you to some of the ways of thinking about gig workers. Yeah, I think that's a great introduction. Right, so it seems like it's about time to move on to list of the week. Oh, I like that. We've not done a list of a week voice before. Maybe that can be a thing. I don't know. I, I did that voice because I know where I got this list yeah, from. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so um, I'll run us through the list of the week. So the list of the week comes from <clears throat> a well-known national newspaper in the UK. Is that the right? I can't even bring myself to say which one it is. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Um, and so what we're doing here is with this list of the week, we're just going to share some recent UK issues to do with gig economy companies and just give a sense of some of the challenges that are out there. And I guess the things that are being explored and hopefully refined and, and progressed in terms of ways of working. Um, and a lot of these are organisations that people will have heard of. So if we start, there's a big organisation called Pimlico Plumbers. If you're in London, you might have seen their vans driving around. Or their Christmas lights, oh, which are famous the yeah. on the uh, train line. Yeah, okay. Anyway, they're, they're um, a bit of an industry around London. Um, so the Supreme Court actually ruled against the company in a legal appeal, um, which was to do with whether a tradesman uh, is an independent contractor or a worker who is entitled to certain rights. And I think what happened in this case is that there was somebody who'd worked effectively uh, for them for a long time, but they were arguing was an independent contractor. And the court in this instance, I believe, ruled that this person was entitled to the uh, rights of a worker, essentially, is what happened. So again, this is just an example of people testing the legal boundaries around what uh, employment is. And in the UK, that's the most common type of case. Yeah, yeah. Um, Another issue, I guess, is to do with Deliveroo, which is, I guess, like Uber Eats. I don't know how international Deliveroo are. I know they're around Europe, but I'm not sure about the States. Um, And they use uh, bicyclists primarily, but other uh, means of transport to deliver food. And what happened here was that the riders for delivery went on strike after the company announced plans to replace their hourly rate with payment per delivery. So essentially, this is a a risk transfer around their terms of payment, um, which is, again, testing the boundaries of what uh, work is, what gig work is. And this led to a strike as well. But how fascinating that you can have a strike... Amongst Without a non-employed. union, yeah, yeah, yeah. Amongst non-employed, I said so this is my favourite yeah, story yeah, from yeah, this yeah. week. It's interesting. It's isn't a really it? Google it if you get the chance. Yeah, it's fun. And next up, we've got everybody's favourite Uber. So Uber was accused of portraying itself as a company, um, which connects customers with self-employed people who want to sell their services and, and with drivers. Um, unfortunately, the drivers don't always meet the legal definition of self-employed people. So how does this really work, right? I mean, you've got a company saying that they're working with self-employed people, but the self-employed people that they're saying are self-employed maybe don't qualify as self-employed people. So again, what are the definitions and boundaries and and how does that resolve itself? Next up, there's an organization in the UK, particularly in London, called Addison Lee, which is a courier uh, type of organization. They do black cab, uh, not black cabs. um, Limousines. Limousines, yes, private hire transport as well. Um, And they've got about 40 people who operate as cycle couriers for, you know, time-sensitive documents, legal documents that are flying around uh, the city. 
Um, and the question is, what's their role? I mean, how do, yeah. how do they fit within? And whose responsibility is it? So these documents, yeah. whose responsibility if those documents don't get there? Yeah. And also, if they are sensitive documents, for example, yeah. whose responsibility and how are these people vetted? Yeah, and, and within that, you'll have things like, how does insurance work? Will your insurance exactly. pay out if Addison Lee is using a cycle courier who is employed or not employed by them? Where does that stand? Yeah, how does, exactly. how does How do you protect yourself in that situation? Next up, we've got Amazon uh, with a global breach. Last year, uh, a newspaper investigation revealed that Amazon drivers were sometimes asked to deliver up to 200 parcels a day. Um, and because they were paid on a per-delivery basis, that could translate in many instances into their pay falling below the minimum wage yeah. um, in the UK. So again, how does that work? Yeah, um, it's an interesting one because, I mean, that is also true of some junior doctors. <laughs> I it's think, true. Or it's yeah. certainly for a lot, there are lots of roles where actually the reality of the hours worked are very different. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. Um, then we've got DPD, which are a logistics firm, a, a delivery firm. Um, and they deliver for large UK brands like uh, people like John Lewis and Marks and Spencer. Um, and it's now offering holiday and sick pay. And it's doing this after a driver was so terrified of taking time off that he passed away. Now, Because he didn't go to the doctor. Because he didn't go to the doctor. Now, going back to the very start of this, this was a list from a well-known national newspaper. So there might be some hyperbole around some of this. I was about to say, with a penchant for hyperbole. Yes, um, yes. But, w- but it was a really really sad case actually course, and yeah. there was well documented evidence and I, I don't think they can say that's why he died but yeah. but absolutely is it a contributing was factor was it a contributing factor and how do we think about that as society and i think it's really interesting that dpd have chosen to do that and and you know they they try and pride themselves on being a cut above uh, that's exactly the phrase i was going to use a cut above and and i think this um, this made them realize and i think i think that the thing about all of these stories is it's it's like we spent decades understanding that humans need a little bit of help and structure yeah. to make decisions. And then we've gone, <laughs> tech's arrived, and we've gone, hey, people absolutely make the right choices all the time all the time for themselves and yeah. have rational behavior, yeah, which yeah, we yeah, yeah. know is not true. Yeah, we know it's not we true. Have to, and, and, you know, fundamentally it comes down to what is the role of society mm-hmm. in protecting people from themselves and from others that might exploit them. Yeah, and some yeah. people would say, well, well, society doesn't have a role. Yeah, get on yeah, with yeah. It. yeah, exactly, exactly. But we should, as with all the things we talk about, we should be conscious in the decisions we make about the way that we do this and, and decide which way we want to go. Yeah, and, and it comes down to it is if you are financially in a precarious situation, then can you really ever be rational? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. be conscious. And can you support your rights and all that kind of stuff? Uh, anyway, so that's a list of a week. It's a bit different from some of our others, but hopefully it gives an insight into some of the things that are being resolved in this type of space at the minute. And at least why you should care. Why you should care. And it's interesting anyway, just interesting. Right, so time for stories from the keyboard. You've got no musical today. It's because I admire the way you introduce each episode. Oh, right. I'm just a bit excited. Um, so... Uh, Stories from a keyboard. I guess my story here is a bit of of a reflection, and it's not exactly about the definition of gig economy, but but it's to do with um, you know not permanent employees and organisations, and it goes back to some work I've done in the past when I've worked on uh, larger organisational sort of training and development and and change programmes around team development, and we've in my background down a range of these programs and for some of them um, we made a conscious desire to bring in the contract labor that we had 
So, you know, working in large financial services organizations, there are lots of people on shorter term contracts. Now, these can be a bit longer than, you know, gig economy type work is defined here, lots longer. But nonetheless, these are people who are independent contractors who are working for themselves, contracted into an organization. Um, and we uh, made a conscious effort for some of our work to bring them into our training program and include them exactly as if they were full time staff. Uh, and that led to bits of conflict on multiple sides, which was interesting for me. So it led to um, people saying, well, why are they getting involved? Why should they get to take part in our training? Surely they're compensated in such a way that they can do their own training. Thank you very much. Um, it had people from their side, from the, uh, from the contract side saying, thank you. It feels great to be part of something. Um, it's excellent to be included. We had people from the contract side saying, the whole reason I'm contracting is I don't want any personal development. Thank you very much. Why are you making me do all this stuff? I just want to do my work and get paid, right? So it's just, even in that instance, in, in, uh, in a sort of structured way of working that has been around for longer and we're more used to, there are still ambiguities and uncertainties about rights and obligations within that. So I just think that's a bit of an insight. And, and the duration of those uh, engagements is so much longer and the the duration that we've been operating that way of working in certainly the UK is a lot longer, but that we must have had fewer touch points and, and more time to overcome this. So if that's the level of uncertainty in that type of world, I can only imagine how much more complex it is in a real gig type world as well. So that's my thought. What about what about you? I think that's a really good point. Like it does feel a little bit Emperor's New Clothes sometimes. Yeah. Um so I had I had two choices okay. with my three screen board. And like angel and devil, like which one do I want to tell? The danger of it. And I, and I want to say there are some brilliant things about the gig economy. Yeah, absolutely. And it is bringing autonomy and ability to work to thousands of people, yeah. millions of people all over the world, yeah. including the UK. Absolutely. But however, I just want to give my personal reflection on a rant that I have delivered oh. um, a number of times. And I'm going to try and be more structured about it. We should it. get like a rant klaxon or something like yeah, that. Yeah, we should. <laughs> <laughs> Jane's going to go on a rant. So yeah. I grew up in London. Yes. I spent 40 years living there. And um, when I was a child, um, there were a number of issues uh, around uh, unregulated minicabs. Okay. And people procuring un -mini uh, unregulated minicabs off the street in London. And there were some incidents. Yeah. There, was okay. a, there was a number of incidents. Mm -hmm. And my family knew someone who was involved in one of those incidents. Okay. And uh, ultimately, someone was kidnapped. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty horrible. That's quite I don't really thing. remember it at the time. Mm -hmm. But what, off the back of not just that incident, but the prevalence of those issues... Um, London worked really hard to regulate their minicab system, right? Mm -hmm. TfL worked really Transport, Transport for London, yeah. which is um, like the non-profit uh, governmental NGO that is responsible for transport under the mayor's office, um, worked really hard in the 80s to regulate it, yeah. right? And they got there. And I'll tell you how I know they got there, because my mum turned around to me, and my mum's quite a you know careful person, and said, no, I think it's all right. I think you can get a minicab now. Thanks, Mum. We're an adult yeah. now. Yeah. Um, and I have yet to take an Uber in the UK, um, and I haven't got the app, and I don't want to use them because I am uncomfortable with the wider issue of ha of reversing the rights and responsibilities of checking workers are yeah. suitable for the work they do. And we worked so hard, and I can't believe how quickly the city has forgotten. And I am literally the only person who feels this way out of every friend I've ever spoken to about it. And what I wanted to just say from a, from a personal perspective is that as, cons as a cons customer, as a consumer, yeah. 
it is one of the few ways that I can exercise my choice. Yeah. And I would encourage people um, to just think about the wider issue rather than cost always being the cost of convenience being the answer. Yeah. Here endeth the rant. Here endeth the rant. We need like the, the post the post rant klaxon. I don't know what that would be. It's probably the only time in my life I've been on the same side of a debate as black taxi uh, black oh, yeah, taxi yeah, drivers yeah, in yeah, London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, all right. Do you want to go on just quickly to any final thoughts, top tips? Have you got a final thought you want to share? Yeah. So my one is a really practical one. If you are doing gig work or considering gig work, mm-hmm. sit down, work out, and write down. All the other things that you get benefits yeah. from unpaid work, uh, from uh, regulated traditional work yeah. in an employment contract, and write down all the benefits of having the flexibility and autonomy and being able to make some extra cash, and literally do a cost-benefit analysis. Because one of the things that's really important is if you, if you don't strip out, particularly if it's your primary income, yeah. and this is true of self-employed, but it's far vaguer with gig economy work. You know, if you don't strip out, you know, things like pensions, tax, expenses, um, the lack of flexibility, because ultimately you've still got to be able to find the right jobs at the right time. Mm-hmm. So you're still dependent on the work being there. Um, quite often it's easy to miscalculate how much money you're going to make. Yeah. Um, and whether it's actually worth it versus having a steady, reliable, not having to find the work element. So I would really encourage people to do that. And I would really encourage people to talk to people who are already doing it. And if the platform you're using doesn't give you that opportunity, there's something very wrong with it. Yeah, that's a good piece of advice, I think. What about you? Um, I guess mine, I've just been kind of reflecting. And what do I want to say? I, I guess my final thoughts are that this feels like something new, but something old, right? I mean, it's the relentless march of time and, and sort of a human condition, isn't it? That we're always scratching at a boundary. We're always trying to peer over a fence and, you know, look out of a cave, whatever those analogies are, and find new ways of doing things and shaking things up. And, and we're kind of expansionist in our mindset in so many ways, or, or, or at least certain elements of us are. But it feels like this is just another chapter in the journey that we've been on for hundreds of years um, and that we'll probably be on for hundreds more years as we broaden our individual horizons uh, as uh, individuals and as, as nations and, and look to break down boundaries and find new ways of doing things. And it'll always be uh, a sense of disruption. But I think in the larger historical sweep of things, it's just more of the same, if that makes sense. I would agree with that. I think it's absolutely part of the bigger issue or the bigger sort of theme or trend is actually about individualization versus society. I think at yeah. this period of our time and globalization or within that. Yeah. Absolutely. I think those are the two things that are conjoining. We're saying, you know, people just, you know, self individual responsibility, individual differences are yeah. where we are in the world at the moment. And that's yeah, yeah. the issues. And in a borderless way or whatever it happens to be and potentially. Yeah. And I think, I think that, and this is a symptom of that. Yeah. yeah that there yeah. is uncertainty and vagaries as we try and figure out. Yeah. how to yeah, yeah. collectively agree the way people should live. Yeah, and the world gets have. smaller every year, right? I mean, So I hear. So I hear, yeah. I, I can't remember. I haven't, it's so long since I left the country. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was my uh, final thought. I think that's great. That's ve- Mine was very practical and yours was very, very high level. <laughs> I was just toying so, with it. So we go and reflect on the state of the universe, I think is basically <laughs> yes. what James and is saying. And the earth is just a microcosm of the universe. Like, <laughs> something like that. All right. Go big or go home. Yeah. All right. So um, I guess we should just kind of check out then. Is there 
anywhere you'd recommend people getting in touch with us? Well, you know me. I love Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can find us at The Wild Podcast or at worldofwork.io. I'm going to wrap us up. All All right, right, guys. See you guys. See you next week. Hi. Thanks for listening to this episode of The World of Work Podcast. To learn more about what we do, please check out our website, www.worldofwork.io, where you can read some great articles, learn more about the seminars and courses that we deliver, or even support us if you wish through our Patreon page. That's www.worldofwork.io. Thank you. Thank you.